We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. to the Heat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Giancarlo Navas, and with me today is our producer and co-founder, Mr. Brian Gwynn. Good evening. We have our statistician and professional photoshopper, Christian Hernandez. How's it going? I'm excited to learn. <laughs> we have our Saucy Nuggets insider, Mr. Lefty Leif. This is the most fun time of the year. Transaction I'm- season. Transaction yeah, season. Yeah, baby. We have just gotten over the NBA draft season, and we have to welcome in our special guest. I I, I want to say Heat Twitter legend, but I feel like his legend transcends Heat Twitter. Present to you, Albert Random, joining the podcast. Albert, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. Albert Namad. Are we using Albert Random or <laughs> Albert Namad? It's been a while since you've been Albert Namad. Uh, Albert I tried to stay anonymous for a long period of time, but it didn't didn't work out so well. But it's Albert Namath. <laughs> I mean, I just I love. I feel like Albert Random. It brings me back to a time of Heat Twitter that I miss. <laughs> it was it was the good old days. I mean, right, right, Albert. I mean, those those are the fun days. I mean, now we're talking about you know permutations of J- Dion Waiters, and it used to be you know Chris Bosh opting in. You know, it was a different time. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> A more uh, better time for Heat fans, I guess. Better time for everybody, really. Um, so so uh, before we before we start this show, we're gonna learn a lot. We're gonna Albert's gonna be our cab guru for the day, for the evening, and and get us ready for free agency. But have to mention that 
We're part of the Five Reasons Sports Network, at least until July. Remember to check out our number of shows. And again, we want to thank Ethan Skolnick for everything that he's done for us. Check out his new show, Five on the Floor, with our very own Heat Twitter president, Alf. Alf is going to be doing stuff for, for Heat Beat and also for Ethan. So he'll be on both. Um, but but check out everything that the Five Reasons Sports Network has going at Five Reasons Sports on Twitter. Check out FiveReasonsports.com. I know Nikaias Duncan. Uh, our very own Nikai, so I can put out a story about Tyler Harrow and what to expect out of him on 5reasonsports.com and also miamiheapy.com. So check out all our stuff all around our platforms. Uh, okay, Albert. So we have Jimmy Butler uh, mania going on again, right? So we're doing a, we're doing a second go around of trying to get Jimmy Butler. Yep. I, I, we talked a little bit about this pre-show. I, I kind of want to get this out of the way right now. Why is the idea of Jimmy Butler opting in probably the least realistic a phase of this sign and trade? Well, because if he opts in, he opts into a $19.8 million salary and his max salary in free agency is 32.7. So you're asking him to give up 13 million bucks. He is approaching 30 years old. I just don't think it's all that realistic. Number one, number two, and just as importantly, I guess, if he does that and he takes the $13 million discount, you have to give it back to him in the back end. So do you really want to be paying uh, a guy who's in his mid thirties, even more salary to, to make up for the fact that you took, he took a $13 million discount in order to be able to make it easier to get to you. That's, you know, in $35 million range each year. Do you really want to be paying that? I don't know. So those reasons are, are why it's unrealistic, I think. I mean, I feel, and I don't know, Christian and Leif, I don't know if you, but like I've seen a lot of people doing that fantasy, fantasizing about Jimmy Butler perhaps opting in. And I'm just like, I don't know how people see this as a possibility. I mean, you saw... You saw how the Chris Paul situation worked out. He did that, and people are, are, are trying to come up with scenarios that mimic that situation. You can see the situation in Houston isn't, isn't the greatest because, you know, he took less to, to be able to opt in, and then they gave him the full max the next year. And, and, and it's, it's, he's an aging veteran whose who's performance is struggling a little bit into his mid-30s. So you can see how, how that kind of approach not only doesn't work for the player sometimes, but also for the team in, 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 some, in some cases. I mean, I guess we're kind of in a new age of the salary cap, but like how often does a guy in his thirties get a five year, 30 something million dollar max? Like that's not the I, I think what you're seeing as players age, I, I think they can get a, uh, that, that max salary close to it. I think what you're seeing is shorter contracts. So that's, that's sort of how they're they're you know, with, with the salaries being so big, max salaries going up, you know, after the, uh, the TV deal explosion and exploded the salary cap. The, the, the max salaries are getting so high that if, if aging players get that level, I think in, in a lot of cases what you're seeing is shorter contracts, but in some you're seeing the full max and, and that can cause problems as, as of course their, their performance declines. So Miami's option here is a sign in trade, right? Like I, I don't think, do you think that there's a lot of avenues for them to create a max salary slot or, or do you think like sign in trades probably? The so, way let me just put it this way. I mean, they're heading into the summer with the 14 players that make a combined 144 million bucks. Salary cap is 109, uh, projected to be 109. So that's $35 million over. So to be able to give him anywhere close to its $32.7 million max, you're talking about clearing 60 plus, that's not happening. So I mean, cap space perspective, it's just not happening. It's not realistic. So you're right. It would be a sign and trade scenario if he could get Jimmy Butler. Leif, I see you laughing at that number. They have to clear $60 million in order to create a max salary slot. 
I mean, I, I'd love to hope traffic and say that there's that many assets that we could attach to contracts to move them, but I don't even know that there are. Uh, it's just a daunting number to hear. I mean, I've been looking at those numbers for weeks, but the way that Albert just quickly went through it and disregarded it as if it was not even worth thinking about is, I think, the perfect way to wrap up that idea. Albert, is there precedent for teams clearing that much salary in a week? Uh, uh, no. You'd have to assume, I mean, you'd have to assume somebody's going to take white side without giving anything back. You have to assume somebody's going to take Dragic without getting anything back. You know, Ryan Anderson could always be waived to get the extra six million bucks because his contract is partially guaranteed. But I mean, it gets it gets ridiculous at some point to think they could do all that without um, taking anything. So uh, it just it's not realistic. So on to the sign and trade. On to the sign and trade. So what is the mo- with a sign and trade? He'll be able he'll get the fifth year in Miami, correct? He can no only- no. So the only place you can get that uh, fifth year is with Philadelphia. No matter how it happens, if he goes to any other team, he cannot get any more than four and one forty-one million total. With Philadelphia, you can get five and one ninety, I think it is. So it doesn't matter whether it's sign and trade. That was a relic of the old CBA, and the new CBA it says, you know, if you do a sign and trade, you can't get um, the the full bird right deal that you used to be able to get. It's just the regular old deal. One forty-one over four is your max. So the way that they got LeBron is not that's not a possibility to get that extra year. Yeah, that was a retaliation. It's retaliation. All those picks. I think was the last pick conveyed last draft? Was the last pick of, of that Does anybody yeah, know? I think so. Um, gosh. I mean, we can we can go into a long period of conversation over that that decision, of course. <laughs> you know, he's actually up to it is, but why they all felt the need to get the fifth year when they had the opportunity to have that after four years and, and giving up so many kind of four first round draft picks was, I don't know. I, I came up with a lot of ways to keep the structure so that the, the three players, uh, big three got even more money over the first four years than they got. And, and still he would, still he would be able to keep all their draft picks. So I don't know, by the way, now that we're going off on the tangent, well, <laughs> love it. I, I, love I won't it. Go, go into that scenario. Well, let's no, just, let's go, let's go, let's go. We love it. Oh, the other thing that I wanted to point out that I was thinking about the other day was, you know how um, LeBron and and Bosch took fourteen point five million, and Wade took slightly less at fourteen point two. Yes, it wasn't necessary. Wade took less, and he didn't need to. He could have gotten fourteen point five, but he didn't use up all their cap space. So that was just something I was just crossing my mind the other wait, day. Wait, hold on, wait. Was that? <laughs> Was that the, the, was there just like an accounting error by the Heat or what? How how did how does that happen? Hey, I mean, I don't know. The, the, the moment it happened, I wrote a big article on it. No, I mean, no, it did an article on it, and um, the Heat used round numbers for them. They didn't use precise numbers. Number one, <laughs> number two. No, I mean, it, it, it's it's not like the Heat made a mistake. It's better. It's better if they don't use up all their cash space. It's better. They have to pay less money. It, I, it's I don't way it's like... and. and I mean, you're talking about $300,000, not, not a big deal, but um, yeah, I mean, over the course of what would have been five years, it would have been, I don't know, a couple million dollars. I mean, it's just funny because anyway. we, have, we have the narrative of Dwayne sacrifice for Udonis Haslam. He's like, no, I'm going to take the most pay cut, the biggest pay cut for UD. And you're saying like, nope, they didn't need to do that. They didn't. If they used uh, some intricate cap tricks, they could have gotten them up to 14.5 just like the other two, but um, oh, that was the notion. He took 14.2 to, to, to sacrifice for Udonis. It just it didn't work out that he actually needed to because he <laughs> didn't use up all their cap space. 
That is incredible. Anyway, that's all. That's all. It's been a great narrative what throughout are... the years, though. I oh will say. Oh my god, it's incredible. Um, you know, maybe at the end I can add, we, we can talk about how much money LeBron cost Dwayne on that plane ride. But um, go, going back to uh, going back to Jimmy Butler, what do you think, Kristen? I know you had some some questions about potential deals that they could package if that works out salary wise. Right. So, I mean, I feel like the the trade that that I guess was being reported a lot when they were first entertaining the trade talks was it was Richardson, Olenek, and a first round pick. Now, obviously, with the way that everything will change and Jimmy will be going into a four year max contract, you know, obviously, I don't think they're going to need to give a first round pick or anything like that. So, looking at at Richardson and Olenek like as a direct swap is interesting. And I know that there was, there was some interesting, the way, the way that the trade would work is weird with the, with the trade imbalance, but I'll let Albert talk about that. So I think you sort of hit the nail on the head there with, uh, you know, actually a type of scenario that I might be thinking about. Um, but there's a lot that goes into that. There's a lot of restrictions. Um, a lot of things you need to think about actually, not just restrictions when you, when you consider signing trade scenarios, the first of which of course, is that he has to want to leave. And we talked about it. He can get $190 million over five from Philadelphia and just 141 over four from the Heat. So, you know, that's obvious. That's number one. Number two would be that, you know, the Sixers have to actually want to sign him, trade him to the Heat. Um, and that's not, not, as, uh, not, not as much as a given as, as you might think. I mean, you know, they, they desperately, not desperately, they, they very much want to re-sign both Butler and Tobias Harris. Um, and, you know, Letting them walk for nothing, even if Jimmy Butler did want to leave, you know, they can get Tobias Harris and still have over $35 million of cap space. So you're asking them to sacrifice that um, in exchange for a package that the Heat would send back. So those are the two considerations I just want to knock out that you just have to keep in your mind when you, when you consider those things. But um, more of the restrictions that I was talking about, of course, the Heat have to trade match. So they're, they're over the cap, so they have to trade match. So if they take back Butler at 33, 32.7 to be exact, have to send out at least 80% of what they're taking back. So that would be 26. So you have to send back $26 million of salary that the Sixers would actually want. So that's step one. Step two, of course, is the hard cap. That's 108.3, I think it is. Is uh, Sorry, 138.3 is the projection. So the hard cap becomes a very big problem for the Heat. So we've got we to really think about that as we go through. Because you, you just mentioned a, a scenario in which, you know, the, the Heat send out Josh Richardson and Kelly Olenek and take back uh, – and 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 take back Jimmy Butler, and if Jimmy Butler's at the max, there's not a whole lot that he can do. Well, there's a lot. There's not a whole lot without involving a third team they can do to be able to create the the, the cap room to be able to, to fit underneath the hard cap. But I'll get into that in a little in a second. Final thing you have to keep in mind is is base year compensation. Base year compensation is very very tricky. It only applies if Philadelphia signs Butler into cap room. Uh, sorry, does not sign Kim, Jimmy Butler into cap room. It can be avoided if they sign him into cap room. I'm not going to go into all the rules because the, uh, nobody ever understands it when I try to explain it. But the simple, <laughs> yeah, this is the, the, the simple thing about it is the simple. The, just to keep it simple, if if Philadelphia wants to sign him over the cap and they would want to sign him over the cap to be able to retain all their free agents, you know, we talked about they could they could always retain Tobias Harris even if they sign him into cap room. But JJ Redick, if they want to re- retain JJ Redick and Tobias Harris. They can't do that and drop below the cap. So let's just assume they want to stay over the cap. If they did and they wanted to re-sign Jimmy Butler, 
his outgoing value for trade purposes would be his previous salary, 20 million, and the incoming salary for anybody who takes him would be his new salary, so that could be 33. So just really quickly, let me explain to you why that's much more difficult than you might think. Um, outgoing salary, 20 million, the most you can take back is 125% of what you send away. So I don't know that, I'm, I'm just off of memory, I think that's like 25.7. So if you send out 20.4, you can only take back 25.7. If um, the Heat takes them in at 32.7, they have to at least, like, like I said before, they, can, they have to send back out at least 80%. That's 26.1. So if the most, the, the very most Philadelphia can take back is 25.7 and the least Miami can send is 26.1, there's no overlap. I just went into a rambling conversation, but the, end of, the net of it is if it's a two-team deal, that only involves Jimmy Butler, no other player for Philadelphia, and they don't have very many others on the it's, roster right now. It's impossible. Um, and Jimmy Butler is at the max. It's literally impossible. <laughs> you know, if, if space here is applicable, it's literally impossible to acquire him at the max. So that's a consideration that teams have to keep in mind. Uh, of course, there are ways around that, and, and we'll get into that if you'd like. That's if he signs into cap space. If he signs into Philly cap space, Miami cannot get him. If he signs into no, Philly cap space, he can. It's the reverse. If he signs into cap space, then he'd have more flexibility. If he signs um, over the cap, um, yeah, so basically, they so the cap block. holds. No, so, ba- so, so basically, if they do Tobias Harris and JJ Redick first, and then Jimmy Butler, the Heat can't do it. No, it, so it doesn't matter. The, the order of things doesn't matter because they have they have cap holds, right? So, so if Philadelphia wants to retain both Tobias Harris and JJ Redick, right? Tobias Harris carries a $22 million cap hold, J.J. Redick a $16 million cap hold, including all of their, their current salaries, et cetera, et cetera, and the whatever it is, the 30-plus million that it would take to sign Jimmy Butler. If all of that doesn't equal less than $109 million, then you're over the cap as you sign him, and that's okay, but base year compensation would apply. And I didn't go into the technical rules. It only applies if he gets a 20% raise, but he was, is going to get a 20% raise, so... None of that really matters. The net of it is they, they might have to stay over the cap in order to do it. But there's ways around all of this. Face your competition sounds like very, a very complicated issue. To me, the more complicated issue for the Heat is the hard cap. So that applies to them. If, that would apply to them too. Any team that takes on a sign and traded, signed and traded player, um, the, the hard cap would be applicable. So why is that so daunting for the Heat? Because... <laughs> They're already, right now, if, assuming they, they take the action that everybody assumes that they're going to take, which is to waive, uh, to, to waive um, Ryan um, yeah, Ryan Anderson, to, to capitalize on the $15.6 million partial advantage. If they save $6 million by doing that, let me just say that. Even if they did that, they're already $3 million over the hard cap. So it obviously doesn't apply unless you take in a, unless you take in a sign and trade player. But they're already over three, a little over $3 million over the hard cap projected. So if you did take in Jimmy Butler on the signing trade, you'd actually have to go down in salary, not only, not necessarily in the trade, but, but in conjunction with it. Yeah, so you'd have, you'd have to shed another salary. So there are, there are ways, right? Base your compensation and the hard cap are two things that, that go hand in hand. So I, I take a step back and I say, okay, let's forget about all the, the the cap ramifications for a second and just focus on what Philadelphia would want to be able to get, um, to be able to agree to trade away Jimmy Butler. 
They've got a point guard. They've got a center. They might have a shooting, a small forward in Tobias Harris, a power forward, however you view him. They might have a forward in Tobias Harris. So they really need a shooting guard and a forward, right? Um, they need shooting. You know, JJ Redick would be that shooting. Yeah. So, so I go back to what you guys suggested. You know, that's, that's sort of Josh Richardson and Kelly Olynyk, right? Or Josh, like, like, they, like they proposed before. Or, or maybe, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how, you, how, you, how receptive they would be, but maybe it's, it's Justice Winslow and Josh Richardson. I don't, I don't know what the package is, but um, I, I was focusing on Josh Richardson and Kelly Olenek because that, that's what they proposed before, right? So they make, so if you just walk through the math, they make about $22.8 million combined, right? So they're taking back a player who can make as much as $32.7 million. If you actually do the math with the hard cap and and I can do the math. I don't know if you guys want to go go through it um, yes. in, in detail like that. But let's do let's let's do math, math radio. Math radio. Okay, so, okay, I can. I mean, a lot of it's from memory. So, <laughs> I'm, anyway, um, they use a, a slightly different calculation for the for the um, for the hard cap than they do just for regular team salary. But so for this, these to count all of the bonuses that everybody could potentially get. So. You know, even though um, Dion Waiters is on the books for 12.1, he's really on the books for 13.3 for the purpose of the hard cap because he makes $1.2 million when he plays in 70 games. He might not do that, but it doesn't matter because you can't cross the hard cap under any circumstances. And if, and if Dion Waiters were to theoretically play 70 games, they would cross the hard cap if they didn't count it. So they count every bonus. So for the purpose of the hard cap, including Tyler Hero, um, they have 14 players under, under contract at, at 146.3 million, right? Okay, first step, waive Ryan Anderson and sign Apollo in his place, right? So that keeps you at 14. You wave one, you've added one. That's 141.5. Okay, now is the painful part, which is the part that I don't like. You have to stretch Ryan Anderson. 15.6 becomes 5.2 for the next three years. Okay, so now you're at 131.1. That's the starting point, 131.1, right? Now, the trade proposal you guys have suggested, and, and I agree with, is to send out Josh Richardson, that's 10.1 gone, and Kelly Olenek, that's 13.1 million gone, right? So now you're at 12 players, you have to add one more, that's the min Let, let's assume it's the minimum salary. Add all that up, you're at 109.6. 109.6 for 13 players, and you have Butler left to go. So. The hard cap at the apron is 138.3 minus 109.6. What does it leave? 28.7. That's what you can offer them. That 28.7, and you can we walk through all the math. It works for it works for everything. It works for trade matching purposes with with a very slight difference. You might have to add one more player, a minimum salary guy. Works for that. Works for the hard cap. We just walked through that math, and it works for base year compensation. So it works. If if Jimmy Butler is willing to accept 28.7. 28.7 is not 32.7. It's $4 million less, right? So they basically need to get I mean, – they need, they, need they need to clear a little more salary if they're going to make this work. If they want to make it work as a two-team trade without involving a third team, involving a third team makes this a hell of a lot easier, right? You have to find a way to dump salary, not necessarily the entire salary of a Hassan Whiteside – Goran Dragic, Deion Waiters, whoever the, the player is, you think James Johnson, you know, you just need to create a little bit of room. But if you only focus it on it as a two-team trade, then then you'd have to you'd have to take them in at twenty-eight point seven. Now, don't forget, if Philadelphia is over the cap, 
no matter what you do at 32.7, you can't do this trade. You can't do the sign-in trade because base year competition would, would restrict you. So, you know what, 28.7, I say to myself, look, maybe somebody's going to offer 32.7, but is Jimmy Butler a true max guy? Are you comfortable paying him 32.7, 141 over four years? He turned down 101 in an extension for Minnesota last July. That's understandable. His max is 141. This is in the middle. It's sort of like 123. It's, it's actually closer to the max. $17 million less than the, than the full max. So would he be willing to accept that? I don't know. But those are the parameters with those players that would work. Albert, it doesn't sound good, deal. man. You don't make it sound good. You make it sound like it's, I don't think it's happening, man. I mean, look, everybody's focused on this uh, on this possibility, but they don't think about the mechanics of what goes into it. And when I try to explain them to, to show you why it's so difficult, but, you know, th- this is just the reality. In a two-team deal, if the Heat really wanted to get it done and wanted to pay him more, they would send, they would try, and I would strongly recommend they try to send salary to a third team. Uh, so it, that would make it easier. No, so essentially... Know- Find a team that wants to uh, rent Goran Dragic for a year and see if they would be willing to take him on because you could even get back a lower salary player. It would just need to be the di- the difference would need to be enough to raise up the amount that they could offer Jimmy Butler. If I'm following you, you you got it. And there's there's once you start once you start talking about those scenarios, there's there's an endless number of permutations, right? Um, I just can't forecast who they would send and how much they would take back. I would it would just be a pure guess. You know, like I'm sure to, is going through that. I got one right? going Dragic to Indiana for Doug McDermott. The difference between their two salaries would be enough to give Jimmy the max. Done. Hire me. <laughs> okay, that would probably work. I mean, you're sending the base of your competition wouldn't be a concern because you're sending it to a third team. You're sending that salary, net salary to a third team. Yeah, I mean, scenarios like that could, could make it easier. But in a two team scenario, which is the only the only thing that I have to go on right now, yeah, I mean, basically, if it's Josh Richardson and Kelly Olenek, you'd have to ask him to take, you'd have to ask Jimmy Butler to take 28.7. I don't know. I mean, what do you guys think? Are you comfortable paying him 32.7 anyway? So uh, that, That's a question for, 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 for you as much as it is for me. That's a lot to pay. We've pinballed on this a lot, like, amongst ourselves. I've been of the opinion that you don't give a guy in his 30s of, like, that much money because of, we look what's happening with Chris Paul and and the salary is only going to go up. And I don't think that having Jimmy Butler there is going to okay. make him a contender. Okay, yes. Well, no. Chris yes. Paul is 34 years old. Okay. Jimmy Butler is not even 30 yet. Like so Jimmy Butler's like, also not as good as Chris Paul was. Well, I, and here's, a, here's another counterpoint to that. I mean, there are teams that are interested in Jimmy Butler and, some of them, you know, New York, et cetera, will, will if their free agent plans don't work out, will have a lot of cap space. They can give them the max. I mean, I, I don't know what Houston is thinking right now, but Houston's obviously going after him in signing trade scenarios. Uh, you know, people in Houston right now are talking about a max. I, I don't, I, I can't know what anybody is willing to pay him, but he's, there are a lot of people who are interested in his services. So that plays into it too. He has to agree, obviously, to wherever he, he wants to go. He has to agree to the number. I'm going to give you an example. Andre Iguodala is 35 years old, right? And we kind of see the decline in his body. For a guy that is pretty low minute and low mileage, because you know, it wasn't until recently where he started playing a lot of playoff games. Philadelphia barely just never in the playoffs, right? So 
a, a guy, I mean, that's kind of what 35 year olds look like. And he's still a good player and a good role player, but I think you're banking on Jimmy Butler at age 33. That's where you probably see a bit of a dip. And then at 34, what is he? Right. So that's kind of my concern. Yeah. He overplays his contract in the first couple of years and probably underplays his contract in the last, last couple of years. Also keep in mind, Jimmy Butler has been a heavy minutes, heavy usage player basically throughout his career. I mean, start, starting in uh, Chicago, certainly. So, he has a lot. I, mean, I don't know how, you, how much you guys, uh, I don't know how much you guys bank on wear and tear. And, you know, the playoffs obviously would be a factor in that, which which would be a helpful factor. But um, he obviously has a lot of it. We would just, we'd have to execute load management with Jimmy Butler. You know, it's just like when I look at that, I think to myself, is he going to maximize the young guys and be like somebody that they can uh, grow around? And then in 2021, when they, when the decks are much clearer, is it more attractive to have Jimmy Butler already on the team as a player that can be um, paired with another max free agent, or is it better to have clear decks? Chris yeah. I- so, I mean, Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I was going to say, to kind of piggyback off your point earlier, Christian, I think you had a stat on on Jimmy's minutes. I have the, I have the stat list. Chris, Brian right. has the stat. Brian's, so Brian's it producing. Was, it was a tweet by Simon Smith, who I think writes for... All you, no, he writes for Hoops Habit. He wrote all these lists of six players who are free agents this year. Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Kemba Walker, Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler, and Kawhi Leonard. Jimmy Butler is fifth among those six players in minutes played for their career. KD uh, is at first. He's played over 36,000 minutes. Klay Thompson at 24,000. Kemba Walker at 21,000. Kyrie Irving at 19,000. Jimmy Butler just under at 19,276. Kawhi Leonard at 18,252. Not as bad as we think. Not as many minutes. As yeah, we think. but like it's because Jimmy came into the league later than they all did, and <laughs> he's minutes. had a much. Yeah, he's had a he had a quite a brutal <laughs> load when he was with the uh, Taskmaster Tibbs. <laughs> I wish we could name yeah, the pod Taskmaster Tibbs. They're also intense minutes. I mean, he was known as a as a. I mean, he's still a, a high end defender, but he was pretty elite defender. Um, back in those days, those were intense minutes too. So, I mean, you guys remember uh, that, that, when he didn't sit for like three games against the Heat in the playoffs? Like he played forty-eight minutes for like three straight games. That was insane. What a run! Um, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, it's it's we're kind of. I mean, yeah, the, the concept here is you know, if you could get Jimmy Butler, obviously this year you, in the scenario we're talking about, you'd lose, you'd lose. Um, Josh Richardson, but you replace him with Tyler Hero, you, you'd lose, I don't know, either Kelly Olenek or salary's very similar, uh, Justice uh, Winslow, but um, you lose one of those guys, um, but you'd replace him with Jimmy Butler, obviously, and Apollo. That, that's the concept for this year, but next year, you'd be you're looking at, all right, my number, the $29 million number, you'd be looking at $22 million, 22 million plus, so you'd Maybe at near to the max, you'd be looking at around twenty million plus, and that's with Hero, Butler, either Winslow or Linux, whichever one you 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 factor in there. Apollo, Bam Adebayo, and the first round draft pick. So, or I'll... you could you could wait to twenty twenty one, and then you'd be at sort of depending upon whether you'd be at forty three million or so in my number, maybe a little bit over forty million in yours. 
Um, so that, that's sort of the way to, to think about it. It's not just getting Butler. It's using Butler to get another player. And how much cap space would you have to be able to do that? What can they do in terms of maybe shedding a Dion Waiters or a James Johnson? Like, I know we talked a little bit earlier, kind of like the JR swap has kind of been the one that people talk about. Could you maybe explain that? What, what is it? Why can, why can JR Smith's contract just go away? And are there other people in the league that have a contract like that? <laughs> Ironically, the, <laughs> I'll explain it, but ironically, the other one is Ryan Anderson. I mean, the difference is only $6 million bucks, but uh, I just think that, that's a little bit funny. But anyway, um, yeah. So the beauty about J.R. Smith is what, that his contract was signed in the previous CBA. This loophole that I'm about to discuss was closed in the current one, and I'll explain how. Um, you can actually do what most people assume you can do for everybody. You can use his $15 million. I think he makes $15.6 million right. when serves. Yeah. Um, uh, um, you can use his 15.6 million and trade match to somebody on the heat who makes uh, around that amount of salary. So um, let's call it James Johnson, 15.3, right? You could swap those two out and then just waive J.R. Smith and only have to pay the $3.9 million guarantee, right? So you'd be getting rid of 15.3 and taking on 3.9. So that's, you know, 12 million, a little less than 12 million bucks of savings right there. That's the concept, right? And the Heat could be talking about a scenario, like it could also do that, by the way, with, uh, like you said, with um, Dion Waiters, but for trade match purposes, it doesn't, doesn't quite work yeah. for, uh, JJ for, for um, um, no, no, for um, Cleveland. But, but those, those, those are small factors that can be figured out. Um, um, but anyway, this trade would have to be done by the 30th because his contract guarantees on the 30th. So definitely Cleveland is going to waive him um, because they don't want to pay 15.6 million bucks. So a trade like that would have to be done very quickly. So Cleveland, so Cleveland can waive him. He doesn't have to be traded for that, for that non guarantee to kick in, right? He could just be waived right now. He by Cleveland. Be, just has to be waived by whoever has him. Hmm, now okay. Cleveland is in a tough, tough spot here. If they, if they trade him, obviously they'd be taking back salary, right? And that's not non-guaranteed salary. That's actual salary. Cleveland is already over the luxury tax. So even if they waive, even if they waive him to capitalize on the 3.9, they'd still be over the um, luxury tax. They have to stretch him just to get under. So what you're talking about is giving Cleveland more salary, which means effectively means agreeing, uh, them agreeing to be a luxury tax team, even though they're not going to be a good team this year in exchange for something. So, so the Heat or anybody else would have to give them an asset that justifies them being over the luxury tax. So that's what is that asset? Is it a first-round draft pick? I don't know. I don't know what they're asking for. I, I heard reports that they, they received what I assume are very low-level first-round draft picks, and it probably wasn't enough because they're saying to themselves, is it enough for me to be able to over, over the luxury tax this year? And they're probably saying no, right? Don't forget, if they're over the luxury tax, this is repeater tax territory for them, yep. not just luxury tax. So... Mm-hmm. That's another factor in their decision making. Uh, so, but how yeah. did they close the loophole that you mentioned? You, okay. you alluded so to it earlier. That's, that's what I was just about to go into. So they closed the loophole because anybody who signed in the current CBA, if they're traded, the outgoing salary that the, the trading team would assume is just the level of his guarantee. So let me just give you a for instance. Um, if he was, if the same person was traded, J.R. Smith was, was, had signed on the current CBA, 
you couldn't trade match to a $15.6 million player. You could only trade match to a $3.9 million player. And it gets even more tricky than that because the outgoing salary to Cleveland, it's just like base year compensation, which I didn't explain because it was too hard. And this is going to be just as hard. So I, I, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> the outgoing salary to Cleveland would be 3.9 for J.R. Smith. And the incoming salary for J.R. Smith to the Heat or anybody else would be 15.6. This is if he was signed on the current CBA. So you can see how it would be hard for both Miami and Cleveland to trade match if the outgoing salary for Cleveland is 3.9, the income salary for Miami is 15.6 for the same player. Yeah, because Miami. That's what it would be if he was. Cleveland has too much. Well, and also an example of that is like. That's what it would be. Sorry, that's what it would be if you were signed on the current CBA. So any other player that we're talking about, and and you can bring up any number of players that have non-guaranteed, that's the scenario you're talking about. So it's, it's going to be hard to say, okay, let me just trade. I don't know, Deion Waiters, and, and for somebody who's making roughly $12.5 bucks, and just, then just wave the guy. It doesn't work that way. You can't do that. You'd have to trade him to a team that has the cap space to swallow him. And then, of course, they'd have to want to swallow him, and you have to compensate him for that. And that's why the Dion Waiters for Sean Livingston stuff that's been talked about with the Warriors and the Heat, and, and then the Heat taking advantage of the non-guarantee on his contract is not a, really a valid um proposition because he was signed under the, under the current CBA. I, I think Derek favors July 2017, as well. Which means for outgoing salary purposes, he would count two, he has a $2 million guarantee, I believe. So he'd count $2 million for outgoing salary purposes. He can't trade match that to, uh, to Deion Waiters. Now, I, I don't know what rumors you're talking about. Now, if they create a trade exception that's large enough, um, and some people are talking about, I don't think they're, they're realistic. Some people are talking about trade scenarios where they, uh, where they just sign and trade Kevin Durant and take nothing back. And so they can create a big trade exception. That would be about, what, $30 million bucks, I think, was the salary for last year. Base year compensation would apply. I think they'd get about a $30 million trade exception. Then they could take in a guy like uh, Deion Waiters. Can, it would work you, that way. Could you maybe explain, because I, I don't really, that's something I don't really understand. How do you create a trade exception, and what is a trade exception? Also, Miami okay, does have yeah. a six million dollar trade exception, if I recall correctly, don't they? Six point three. Yep. Now, whether they use it, being a luxury tax team already, is is questionable. Unless they, I think they're going to be active on the trade market. Now, do they have to get anything done? I don't know, but I think they're going to be active. And if they're active, I don't know what the team would look like at the end of the summer. I have a lot of different. Well, I have a couple things that I want to see happen. Um, but anyway, your oh, question we was. Wait, we want to hear those. that. I want, yeah, I want we want to. Yeah, yeah we want to hear that. You can explain trade exceptions later. We want to know what Albert thinks. Yes. GM Albert. If you, yes. were GM, if you were Andy and Pat, what would your plan be? Okay, so my thinking is, is maybe not all that different than, than a lot of other teams, right? Uh, or a lot of other teams. A lot of, a lot of other people. Which is to say they're, they're, not, they're $9 million of a luxury tax this year. Forget it. I mean, we can do some things on the fringes um, in terms of improving the team, but we're not going to have cap space. So this year is sort of sort of gone in the cap space perspective. So they have to decide for themselves what kind of team do they want to be. Do they want to be a 2020 cap space team? I think they'll have about $36 million. Or do they want to be a 2021 cap space team? And they could potentially wipe out their entire roster by, by then. They could have $100 million plus in cap space. So you think about it, 20, $36 million of capital in 2020, and who's out there right now? I think it's Kyle Lowry, Eric Gordon, Joel Draymond Harris, Danilo Gallinari, Paul Millsap, Draymond Green. These aren't. What was that first name? Players. What was like, the first name? 
Kyle Lowry. Oh, shut up, Kyle. You said you were done. Anyway, um, Albert, so continue, Albert, please. continue, continue. So if they want to defer until 2021, when they would have $100 million plus, and, I mean, we all know the names, Dame Lillard, Mike Conley, CJ McCollum, Bradley Beal, Victor Oladipo, Paul George, Giannis, um, Gordon Hayward, Otto Porter, Le- LeBron, Rudy, Rudy Gobert, lots of, lots of names. Now, all those players aren't going to be there because some of them are going to sign, uh, sign extensions, but there are going to be a lot of players with $100 million of cap space. So if they want to shift – their focus, their free agency focus from 2020 to 2021, well, all of a sudden, they can start using that $30 million of ca- $36 million of cap space next year to take on trade, right? Um, so they can be very aggressive on the trade market this year using that cap space for next year. They can do one of two things. They can take on bad contracts that extend multiple years in exchange for assets, or they can get players that could potentially help but only have two years left in the contract. A lot of people were talking about Mike Conley. That obviously didn't happen. The one that I potentially would really want to focus on, and I don't know how you guys feel about it, is Gordon Hayward. I think I'm in, dude. Contract. I'm in. Well, yeah, I feel like you're on the brink very of large. there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so the question is, can you get it done? Look, the Heat are going to uh, probably reach out to a lot of teams, and they're going to get rejected about 98% of the time, like any, any other team. So... <laughs> Can they get it done? I don't know. I don't know if they have the assets to get it done, but Gordon Hayward has a very large contract, and I was thinking it well before their most recent event, you know, when, when I mean, the helping factor, of course, is that uh, Al Horford is, is probably going to leave, but um, um, Kyrie Irving also is going to leave. So that, they could create about $34 million of cap space on their own. So do they really want to be chasing, even with Gordon Hayward, do they really want to be selling low? I don't know. I can talk myself out of it as much as I want. Or, or you know what? They, they are reaching out to other teams. They're reaching out to Houston on King Capella. I think on OKC, you know, OKC has big, big uh, uh, luxury tax issues. They're, they're reaching Adams. out on Stephen Adams, I heard. So, you know, maybe. <laughs> Hassan Whiteside to the Celtics. I'm dreaming. I'm dreaming here. But, but you know, maybe we could get them interested in Hassan Whiteside. And, you know, they, they could – they could lock in Hassan Whiteside at a at a cash savings, you know, relative to uh, relative to Gordon Hayward. You're talking about saving some money. I, I, what is it like six million bucks or something like that? They may need a point um, guard, Albert. At, yes, they need a point guard. So if they save six million bucks, they are they already have um, rights to a bird rights to and, and restricted free agents rights to uh, Terry Lazier. But if they saved that, if, if they went in another route and they saved that. Uh, Sorry, I was just getting a, 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 a never mind. Um, if they save that amount of was money, Pat Riley asking you for advice. Was that Pat? <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of people. Sorry, a lot of people uh, text me and, and, and tweet at me right now. I mean, it's just busy time. Busy day. Um, busy time. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, so the, the the theory behind my logic was, you know, so like do anything you can to get Gordon Hayward because I think he would be he'd be an easy a candidate to, to materially improve over how he's performed over the last couple of years since his injury. I think he's going to really start to get better. I think he's somewhat muted in that rotation in Boston. I think in, uh, you know, they have Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, guys that are trying to emerge. Um, I think in Miami, he could be the centerpiece. So I, that's, anyway, that's something that, that we've, we've discussed here, like in, in our group chat, Leif is like, anybody interested in buying low on Gordon Hayward? I'm like, yeah, no, yeah. that that's been an idea of mine because essentially what I've 
kind of landed on, and this is piggybacking off what Albert's talking about, is like I'm looking at all of the free agents in the 2021 class and thinking about Hassan and Gorin's contracts that expire a year sooner. What teams want that financial relief a year sooner so that they can get some wiggle room? And he's one of the names. Nick Batum is another name that maybe you can get an asset from Charlotte so that they can lower their tax bill a year sooner than than they currently are. And uh, they need a center probably as well. So, um, I, that's exactly where my mind went with Gordon Hayward. Yeah, it's actually funny. I mean, I, I had a lot of these ideas, and one of them, uh, one of them was, you know, Milwaukee was trying to dump Tony Snell and Eliasova, and I had in mind, you know, you could. Pick, I mean, I didn't know that I loved this idea, but you, uh, you could potentially send out, you could potentially take back both of those players. Um, sorry, you could uh, send out both of those players, take back Ryan Anderson. Um, and you're almost, you, you let them save about $3 million this year, and you're taking on Tony Snell $12 million for next year. Tony Snell's a pretty good player, right? You're eating thirty, you're eating $12 million into that $36 million of cap space. Still got 24 left. You got Tony Snell, and you got a first-round draft pick out of it, albeit number 30. It's funny. They didn't end up doing that trade, but they did a trade that saved them the exact amount of money with Detroit. I mean, exactly. So my thinking was perfectly aligned with what they actually did. Of course, only for Tony Snell. They, they still have Elias Silva, but uh, I was kind of looking. Was sort of um, I was looking at the Oklahoma City. I do, I do think the Stephen Adams thing is a really interesting angle for them. Uh, however, the Thunder don't have a draft pick that they can trade until twenty twenty four. For who? For Milwaukee? Would... No, I'm saying that if if we look to take salary, if the Heat look to take salary right from from um from OKC and maybe get like a pick out of it. They don't have a pick, a first round pick they can trade until 2024. But I actually really so like scenario, it. What are you? What would you be thinking in that scenario? I mean, to, to, to would get, you be thinking to, like Whiteside swapping with Adams? Whiteside yeah. makes a little bit more money than Adams. Um, but then you get so that cap relief pink. in 2021. Right, I so think you, there's a more robust market for Adams throughout the league with teams that have cap space. You have so many teams that have to fill cap space this summer that I think they'll be able to trade Adams to a team almost into space um, before they would necessarily need to even take back Whiteside for a year. You think? Is there a yeah, market Adams for Yeah, Adams is a quality player, and we'd have to trade match to him. So it's, it's, you're not comparing apples to apples with Whiteside and, 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 and Stephen Adams. At least in my mind, Stephen 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 Adams is a pretty pretty good player that that teams would actually want to have. No, yeah, yeah. maybe his contract is a little bit rich, but the but, numbers um, the numbers big. All right, so outside of Hayward, what would be your next step as GM? I just reach. I'm sure he's gonna. Re- I mean, there's again, there's not a whole lot that can be be done. It's it's really just a play on when you're gonna target free agency. So all of those types of trade scenarios that, that have the Heat taking back two-year salaries, maybe in exchange for one or, may, or maybe taking back a one-year salary in exchange for one. I don't really have any grand ideas this year. I mean, most years I can, I can see the angles, not, not necessarily this year. I just think that the, the play of, of saving capital for next year, could you, you could forego that and, and, and focus on 2021. That would give you a whole lot more flexibility in terms of pursuing trade trade. I think they'll pursue a lot. I'm not sure they'll be successful. Um, I don't know if they have the assets to get any done unless it's to give somebody relief. I don't see a lot of teams out there that need relief for next year. It's just not a year in which a lot of teams need a whole lot of relief. So okay. I, I don't see the angles really. I, 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 I want to ask Albert one thing. Okay. If you had to give a verdict right now about the summer of 2017, what would it be? 
I don't even know how you're asking that question. Oh, <laughs> two years ago. So what, what, what are you? No, just like in terms of like, I mean, he's, I feel like the organization has been trying to talk themselves out of this hole that they've put themselves in. But at this point, like unless they pull off some magic this summer, there's no polite way they can spin this. No, so I mean, my theory about sort of a past and the and the salaries they have on the roster right now, it really all started with uh, um, with Tyler Johnson. In my mind, Tyler Johnson, you know, had had that weird contract which in the NBA would no longer exist today. In the new CBA, they they eliminated it. They had, where he started at five, went to six, and then jumped to nineteen the last two years. They had that window in that second year where he was at six to be able to get more players. And it, it didn't. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't have rolled over to the next year because his salary jumped to 19. So they had to go, and that's why they they locked in on all those players and they signed them for long-term deals. They actually probably actually explained, and it didn't make sense to me the explanation as to why they gave um, Dion Waiters and, no, we and James Johnson a four-year deal. Sorry, what? Did we lose me? Am I there? Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. No, I I got disconnected. Hello. Yeah, no, we oh. we can hear you, Albert. Sorry, oh my god, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I, I for everybody, I lost everybody. I'm sorry. Continue. Oh no, no. So I go back to to the Tyler Johnson situation. And say to myself, maybe that wasn't the smartest move. Of course, I thought they were going to do it at the time they did. I, I think. I wonder I'm just who was saying that. The lines. I'm not. What? Not that. I wonder who else was saying that at the time. Not continue. No, most people are saying they, they weren't going to because the, the salary was too rich. I thought they were going to. Um, and I think it was more Mickey Arison. I, I don't know. I don't know if this theory is right, but I think it was more Mickey Arison not wanting to lose a talent for nothing than Pat Riley saying, I, I definitely want to bring him back. Who's the talent? Tyler. Uh, Tyler Tyler's the talent? talent. Oh, okay, okay, just make sure. I mean, at the time they gave him the uh, – at the time Brooklyn gave him the uh, – the yeah, offer they, that the uh, offer. Yeah, Albert true. Albert Tyler was, Tyler's my nemesis. I'm I'm making jokes, but Tyler Tyler has long been my nemesis. That contract haunted anyway, But I think that decision cascaded. I mean, created a, a bunch of, of of issues for the Heat where they said, "I can't roll." Their plan had always been to roll cap space over one year. Roll cap space over one year it didn't necessarily sit well with Dwayne Wade because it caused problems some of those years. But um. That, that, that was always their plan. It couldn't be that plan anymore once Tyler Johnson's contract would jump to 19.2, so they had to go all in. And that's when they got those players and ultimately signed them to, to longer-term contracts, which, which kill, the franchi- I mean, kill the franchise over the next couple of years, I guess. You know, uh, any, any contract eventually runs out. But, so I think it all started then. What I have, but then I have other issues, right? Why would you give... Uh, Dion Waiters a long-term contract if he's injured and you know it because he was injured the, uh, the season before. How would you not do the due diligence on that if he's your own player? Now, obviously they thought he was fully healed and they miscalculated that, but that kind of didn't sit well with me. And on the James Johnson front, I, I don't know all the. You, you can always nitpick things as a fan. You never really know what's going on in the background, and it's really not fair for me to be doing what I'm doing. But... Um, James Johnson, I don't know that there was another team out there that was offering a four-year deal in the $60 million range. So 
I, I think they were saying that Denver was putting. It was offers Utah. In, it was or Utah. Utah actually, it, was, it yeah. was the team out in the West. That's and, and essentially because he was patient enough to wait for the Gordon Hayward stuff to play out instead of they had a four year offer on the table and a two year offer on the table. And if he waited and Hayward said no, he would get the four year offer. If Hayward would have said yes, he would have gotten the two year offer. Um, yeah. I don't know what the money was, well, but that's that's essentially well, that's what's what been Pat put Riley out there. just said recently. Yeah. That. I mean, so obviously I, you know, tweeted that out, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't know. I was trying to rationalize. I was trying to think that through. And I can understand some of the logic. But why would you give a shorter-term deal with Gordon Hayward? Yeah, because you would need lower numbers. Yeah, I know. I thought the same thing. But, I mean, of course, somebody could just say, you know, what are you what are you saying you're being stupid you give them a shorter term deal so they can sign a long term deal on the back end of it um but anyway i was trying to figure out trying to rationalize the the the, the reasoning that uh, pat riley gave but i guess i'll just take it at face value but anyway i i could understand look the other thing that i had an issue with with that is i think riley was mentioning that with both Dion waiters and james johnson and if gordon hayward had came um they would not have had tax base for both of those players. They would have had something like, I can't remember. This is a while ago now. Something like $12, $13 million of cap Just space. enough for JJ. They, they How could they have gotten would have been gone. Like, yeah. Just enough for JJ is what would have been left. Yeah. So why would they have structured that? Why would uh, Pat Riley have said he structured that two or four year deal with the young waiters as well? He would have been gone if Gordon Hayward came. Yep. Especially because. So I, I couldn't rationalize that either, but. But anyway, maybe maybe there were events that I just didn't wasn't privy to, but it, it didn't seem to work from a cat's perspective. Anyway, just a, a random thought there. So oh, that's all. Yeah, so Albert, that's your all random thoughts punch. are the best, man. That I, we love gut punch. <laughs> the the, the gut um, the gut punches are 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 good and welcome. Chris, what are you gonna say? What? No, I, I, no, that was Leif that was trying to say something. I think. Oh, Leif, what, what do you got? I said it. Oh, the gut punch. <laughs> Oh, the other thing, I mean, since I've been bashing the team that I love so much and, and, and um, probably unfairly so, the other thing that I have to keep in mind was, is I wanted a whole lot more for, for that summer where, where they signed them all the long-term deals. Um, obviously, none of those other things panned out, but they were pretty damn good players the year before, right? So Deion Waiters had a pretty damn good year. The Heat, you know, had that massive, massively good second half of the season. So... <laughs> And the contracts they got, I mean, a lot of people were projecting even higher amounts of money than he'd actually got them for. So I can't, I mean, and while Kelly's, I don't necessarily Kelly's agree with what they did. Kelly's been, re- Kelly's been really good for them too. So, and other- Yeah, so I don't think Kelly Olenek, Kelly Olenek was probably a surprise to them that he, was, that he would be a, he was a restricted free agent at the time and, and he probably didn't know that he'd become available. And, you know, maybe signing James Johnson and Kelly Olenek didn't make sense, but maybe that explains it. You know, they had already had an agreement with James Johnson when Kelly Olenek became available. So you're saying to yourself as a fan, why the heck would you sign both? But you don't know what's going on in the background. Maybe maybe some sort of uh, a, a promise was made in the background that you don't know about. So I can't say I know all that, but, you know, on, the, on face value as a fan, you're saying, why get both those players? That's another reason why the Heat are hampered right now. So there's there's multiple sides to that equation, but Kelly Olynyk has been been pretty damn good. I, I think he has actual, unlike other players, he has positive trade value. Yes, 
<laughs> we got one. Yeah, <laughs> asset. <laughs> That's what to bring well, us full yeah, circle. You got, you got trouble, right? I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah. Josh Richardson has positive traits. Bam out of bio has positive traits. I mean, you got, you know, you got a few. Yeah, that's no, the guys we want to keep. Trade value. We want to have we Sorry, want the guys. We want the guys that we want to get rid of to have trade value. Yeah, exactly. The guys, the, the, the guys players, keep <laughs> the players that have the biggest trade value are the only ones you want to keep. Speak- well, exactly. I mean, isn't that the way it works for everyone? <laughs> speaking, speaking though of keeping players, as we look ahead to 2020 and 2021, um, is from what you, because uh, I'm sure you know much more about how this all plays in, uh, out. Is there, can we be uh, looking forward to a cap spike similar to what we saw in 2016? Uh, like, is that coming down the, 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 in the next two years where we may all of a sudden have even more space than some of the numbers you've referenced? So cap fights like that are, I mean, you're talking about 2016 was a $24 million cap spike, uh, spike on the, on the basis of a huge TV, uh, uh, TV deals. I mean, you're not going to see anything like that ever again. Well, at least, well, probably ever again. Yeah, I'll stick by that. But um, um, you'll see heavy growth, actually. The, the, the league grew 8% last year, which is massive in 2017-18, which is a huge number in its own right. And I think it's probably going to grow about 7% this year, but it's, it, the numbers are going to be more muted, right? I mean, so it's going to go from 102 to 109 next year. And I think there's upside there. Um, that's going to be on the base of 7, 7% growth this year in 2018-19. I think you're probably going to see 6 Maybe you can get to 7% growth next year, which is going to lead to 116, maybe 100. It used to, it was earlier this season, 118. Yeah, I found an article recently that referenced a $116 million number for that year. It, it currently, the league is projecting 116. That's, that, that's a fact. Right. Um, but it could go up. Look, there. here's another thing. There are a lot of teams with a lot of cap space this summer. Not everybody is going to get um, whoever they want to. A lot of teams are going to have trouble spending up to the cap. That's going to create a potential for a shortfall. In you know, uh, you probably know um, players are players in the league. They they agree to a revenue split. So if the players don't make enough in salaries, it's called a shortfall, and they get paid back on the back end. But um, that creates a spike in the salary cap. So if, if you're a guy who's hoping for a spike in the salary cap for 116 in 2020-21, you're saying to yourself, let it be that a lot of teams don't get what they want and really don't have a way to spend up to the cap because that's even a 50 to a $60 million shortfall and whatever the number is, I'm just making up numbers now. But whatever the shortfall, that, that could have a material impact, a positive impact on the salary cap in the following year. So not only revenue, but salaries this coming year in 2019 will be a big focus. Um, so, but in general, your, your, your question is 109 million. I think you could probably go up a couple of uh, uh, hundred thousand, maybe 109.2, something like that. That'll help the heat with the luxury tax issues. But I think, League's been pretty good about um, projecting more recently after the big issues concerning the, the spike with the TV revenue. So I think 116, some people are saying the league used to be saying 118. It could go back there. Um, but after that, I think you're going to probably see 5% growth is, is what's normalized. Albert, I have two more things, and then we can let you go. The first of which is something okay. that I've been wanting to ask you for a long time, and it's the repeater tax. And do you feel uh-huh. like that, 
I guess it's a two-part question. Do you feel like the next CBA will have a repeater tax, and do you think the re- the repeater tax has been good for the league? Like, has it really has it been I mean, good for the league? I mean, uh, it's a subjective question, and I have my and you're asking me my thoughts. So I mean, I uh, look the, the te- it was meant to create a situation where teams are just not willing to spend anymore, and the best teams in the NBA. <laughs> are still, <laughs> even though the, the, the ramifications are ludicrous, are still willing to spend. So I, that's why you have Golden State spending all that much, and they're about to get into a new stadium where they – it's ridiculous. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous how much of a bigger tax they'll spend if they keep their core together. It's the not Bucks really – too. Look, look at the Bucks. They're going to be deep into the luxury tax going into a new building if they resign everybody. Yeah, I mean, the Bucks situation is going to be a little bit different in the beginning. And first of all, they're not going to have repeater taxes for a very long time. So they'll have luxury taxes. So another, another point that, that people miss about repeater taxes, and it's just um, a nitpicky thing, but it bugs me. People assume that you pay the repeater tax if you're in the luxury tax three, three out of every four years. It's four out of every five years. It's worded weirdly in the CBA, and I assume that's why people misinterpret it, but you have to be in the luxury tax for the fourth time in a five-year period to pay the repeater tax. If Milwaukee pays it this year, uh, luxury tax this year, they still have a long time before repeater taxes. But I guarantee you they're planning for it, but it, it doesn't kick in for, for a long period of time for Milwaukee. Um, I, f- I feel so, like the repeater tax may point to someone like Draymond Green becoming quietly available in Golden State because they just can't no, possibly actually, continue to do this. Uh, so uh, when so I, I I I'm not sure I agree I could be wrong I mean I think there's just so much money in Golden State especially as they move to the new stadium that that I think they they'd be willing to pay the repeater tax now I had an idea. Um, back a couple of years ago, for when they were when they were trying to sign when Kevin Durant took his big discount, you know, the twenty five million, yeah. I had an idea for that summer, and they they had just they had just crossed the luxury tax by a couple million. I had an idea that they slipped below the luxury tax that year, and I couldn't make it public at the time for for reasons I don't I don't want to say. Um, but anyway, I, I had an idea for them to, to avoid the luxury tax that year because it would have kicked out the repeater tax for an extra two years. And the situation that they are, they could face this year if they resigned everybody, it would be a lot less harsh this year and next year if they had done that, but ultimately they didn't do that. So anyway, I don't know why I told that story, but Good story. Um, it was, yeah, I mean, I thought they could, but it would have involved, you know, Andre Iguodala was a, was a key part of the team, but it would have involved, um, not signing Sean Livingston. It would have, would have involved not giving – who was the, the center? Um, he got the, the mid-level exception. He would have – what? Oh, Bogut? Bogut. No, Looney. no. No, no, no. Before then. Um, oh, David DeMarcus Cousins. DeMarcus Cousins. No, no. It wasn't. No, anyway, even before it that. would have involved – David Lee before that? The minimum – No. <laughs> Andrew Bogut? Every Warrior Center. Hold on, wait a second. I, we're missing oh, no, one. Um, we, we, we got almost got to be done. Uh, David West, Andrew Bogut. I'm trying to think of people. We said, oh. we said JaVale McGee, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's not him. I can't believe I can't come up with his name. Oh, Vestas Azili. Vestas! 
<laughs> not Festus Azili. Damn it. Anyway. We lose on Warrior okay. Trivia. Um, okay, Albert. All right, the, the next question, real quick, and we can get you out of here, is um, the summer that Dwayne Wade left, I know that Riley was saying, or the organization was saying, that this is the most that cap space we can offer you, and that eventually led to their awkward breakup. Was was it really when he went that? To the Bulls. Huh? Yeah, when he went to the Bulls, was it really that difficult for them to create the salary that he wanted that off season, or like I, I don't? I'm still trying to piece what happened that, and I figured you'd be the best to ask about their salary situation. Well, I I think it was more emotional. Yeah, I mean, I I think Dwayne Wade at that salary wanted three years. I think the third year was I, I don't know. You, you, let, let's put it this way: he went to the Bulls. He signed for what first year he got like a little over twenty three million, and he had a player option for the second year, and ultimately left before that, and and took a big discount, like eight million dollars to, to cut it down to fifteen point five million when he left. Um, would it have been? Could the Heat have offered more? It would have been very difficult to offer more money than they were offering. Number one, um, and it would have, by the way, involved getting rid of Tyler Johnson. Even that that small little cap hold. Um, that he had, you know, they gave him everything they could, including the money that it, it took to, to, to retain Tyler Johnson at that point in time. They were giving it to him. Um, so could they have given him more? Would you have put yourself back in that situation, right? Oh, because God, now you can say, well, I wouldn't have signed, I wouldn't have signed Sean Whiteside. <laughs> Is it realistic to say when I, even I was saying, no, I mean, Albert, Albert, what I'm hearing is Tyler Johnson cost him Dwayne Wade. No, that's what you want to hear. That's what I'm hearing, Albert. Albert that's what I'm hearing. Albert. No, I said the exact reverse. I said they offered him the money that it would have taken to retain Tyler Johnson. So they they offered him a lot. Well, not a lot. I mean, a lot is a, a subjective term. They offered him as much as they could after retaining the on white side. So they so now, they would you truly more not to. Sorry, what? No, so I guess what I'm trying to ask is, in that situation, they truly did offer as much as they could, and and they and clearing up any extra salary would have been incredibly difficult. I think the answer to that question is yes, in my perspective. And so Dwayne Wade was shifting to asking for. I mean, I don't know what he was doing privately, at least reportedly, he was asking for a three-year deal. Would you have done that? Yes, because they paid Tyler the third year anyway. So. That's what I never. Okay. That's um, what I never. That's what the, Albert. To me, that's what I never understood because they once Dwayne left, they immediately gave Tyler four years, and that third year was at nineteen million. And if Dwayne reportedly wanted twenty one or something, I'm like, okay, like what's you know what are we what are we doing here? But well, what you're doing, what you, what you'd be doing is you'd have well, yes, you you're looking with the benefit of hindsight. I mean. I was oh, saying this I at the struggled. time. I, I, I was doing this I show. You don't need a victory lap. You, I just, rather listen to Albert. I love Dwayne Wade, so it's hard for me to say this, especially on the air, but um, I thought what the Heat was offering was fair, and I thought that if Dwayne Wade was a little bit less emotional at the time, he might have actually accepted it. But I don't know how it played out. I mean, there's always a way you position certain things, and I don't know how all that played out and caused bad blood. I can't speak to how that happened, but I thought what the Heat was offering was was fair. I, I'm glad that I'm just, Albert I'm had just the bravery to say it. Albert, exactly that is the I bravest. Felt. 
Albert, that's the I bravest was, that's exactly thing. How I felt. That's the bravest thing ever said on this podcast. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. You were excellent. I mean, I, I, I'm already regretting it, but... No, 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 nobody listens. <laughs> I like to stay out of these types of um, back-and-forth situations. I'm not a guy who likes to get in the middle of anything, but let's just say I could see where the heat was coming from. How about saying it that way? That's that's a great way to, to put it, and that's a great way to end the show. Albert, no, man. Wait, wait, no, I oh, no, you have one more? I wanted to ask the one more question. Okay, Albert, who was the most interesting person or, or experience you've had on someone who's come... Uh, to you for your advice on the CBA and how to digest it. So well, I can't, I, I can't say who okay, I'm Okay, the coolest to. person you can say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to really say any, any, anybody. I've spoken to several fair, teams. Fair. I speak to several teams. I speak to, you could probably guess the salary cap experts, the writers all over the place. I have, I've been fortunate enough to make a lot of contact, uh, contacts. I help them by providing them my insights. They sometimes help me with things that I want. If I, for example, I wanted to know contract details, so I generally try not to bother anybody. But if I really wanted to know something, I have several people I can go to and say, can you help me out with the information? I love the symbiotic yeah, relationship. Always... Well, that's, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. So, have, yeah. Have there been times where you've been the first one to report specific contract details through those, I guess, sources? Yes, there have. When they've authorized me to do that. Now, I don't, I don't like to do that. I have more information than I reveal. Um, Even almost right always. now, <laughs> on the twenty nineteen. No, season? I don't. There's nothing to know now. <laughs> I'm, joking. I, I'm joking. <laughs> I, I try not to bother people. Right? I mean. I'm just a fan, right? If I was in a position where I needed the information, then it would be different. I'm just a fan. So I try not to bother people with information right away if I don't need it. But I sure I'll, I'll shoot somebody a, a, a whatever, a, a private message asking for some information if I, if, I, if I really want it. But to your question, do I make it public? When they specifically tell me to do it because they're trying to help me out, I do. If they don't actively tell me to do so, my assumption is always to keep it private and I do that. That's fair. That's, Albert, that's very fair. You have been you, the Heat Twitter legend, Albert Random. The NBA legend, Albert Random. Uh, thank you, a- so Albert much. Namad. You are. Thank you so much for the time. You were incredible. For and his, and I, please follow all of his work at heehoops.com. Yep, I agree. Follow it. You are the best, sir. Thank you so much for your time. All right. Thank you, guys. I need a cigarette. <laughs>